Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. At Jeff Brothers, our director of Christian education, faith development, discipleship has actually told us that our theme for this month is resurrection. Resurrection, I can't even say it this morning. Restoration. The word restore is recorded only 10 times in the New Testament of the King James Version of the Bible. And the Greek word means to reestablish to an earlier state. An example would be Kalea, the renovation of a home or renovation of a building. But Later on, the word became known to be connected with some form of healing. As in to bring back to a state of good health. Another usage of the New Testament word is to return that which was lost. And that will be our focus of our message today. This thought of returning that which is lost was sung in the hymn, but if you look on the marquee, it's from John Newton's famous song, Amazing Grace. You know the story of John Newton, the former slave trader who God had changed. A wonderful change. And then one day in writing his song, he says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I want to, want to bring to y'all attention that all of humanity falls into only two categories. You either lost or you are found. You see, favor was lost in the garden. But restoration was found through grace which came by Jesus' death and resurrection. And our text today, Mark is the only one to record this. He records a story about a man who had lost something. And since Mark is the only one that records this, this makes a complex passage even more difficult to interpret it, Jeff. So as we examine the text, I want y'all to keep in mind the main point, and that is one of restoration. I have a couple of background scriptures that I think it's important that we go to before we get to our main text. I want to start in the first chapter of Mark, verses 21 and 23. And the background scriptures read this way, and I'm reading here from the English Standard Version. And when, excuse me, and they went into Caprina, and immediately on the Sabbath day he entered into 
the synagogue and was what? Teaching. Now, I'm bringing this out because I want to bring a point out. It goes on to verse 22. And they were astonished at his what? For he taught them as one who has authority and not as described. But after his teaching, it reads this in verse 23. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. At that point, the spirit cried out, Why have you come, Lord Jesus? We know who you are. But after Jesus cast out the demon, his fame spread throughout all of Galilee. And people began to focus more on Jesus' healing than on his authoritative teaching. So y'all see why I was emphasizing this word, teaching. Now let's go to another background scripture in chapter 1, verse 32 and 34. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him, who? All who were sick or oppressed with demons. And the, what? Whole city was gathered together at the door. Can you imagine that? The whole city at your door. Verse 34 says, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. Why is this background scripture so important for our text? The healing of so many people became a distraction from Jesus' true purpose. So during the night, Jesus retreated to an isolated place, and there he prayed. Perhaps for strength, perhaps for guidance, but there he prayed. But Jesus' time of solitude was short-lived. One other background scripture is found in verse 36 of chapter 1. And Simon, and that's Peter, and those who were with him, which are the disciples, searched for him. So Jesus' place of solitude, they didn't know where he was either. Jesus didn't want to be bothered with nobody. Verse 37, and they found him and said to him, who? Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go to the next towns that I may do what? Preach there also. And get this now. For that is why I came out. Y'all follow me. Jesus stated his mission, which was to preach that the kingdom of God was at hand. The healing was only to validate, according to Isaiah, who he was. Yet, our Lord and Savior, out of compassion, he healed them all that came to him anyway. I want to just kind of go with some things that, that happened between chapter 1 and chapter 7. In chapter 1, we already stated Jesus cast out this unclean spirit. But it says also in chapter 1, he healed many. Chapter 2, Jesus healed a paralytic. Some of you may remember the story carried by four people who tore up the roof. In chapter 3, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand in the, in, in the synagogue. 
In chapter 4, Jesus calmed the storm and told the disciples they had little faith. But in chapter 5, Jesus goes off. He delivered a demon-possessed man. And then he healed a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. While on his way to Jairus' house to heal his little girl from a demon. In chapter 6, in addition to feeding 5,000, Jesus heals so many that Mark does not even bother to number them. Verse 54 and 56 in Mark 6 says this. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region. Y'all see that? They went from a town down to a region and began to bring the sick people on beds to wherever he was. And wherever he came, in the village, the city, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplace and implored him that he might touch even the fringe of, their, of his garment and as many as touched it were made well. If you think about going back to the woman who was cured from the issue of blood, people heard that she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. All these acts, miraculous acts of healing, preceded our text. And our text requires several aspects that we need to have an in-depth examination and requires much speculation. Now, now, why would we speculate on the word of God? Well, Mark doesn't give us too many details. He doesn't explain a lot of things. Mark just limits us to the facts. So I want to bring out some of these aspects as we go through them. I think there's four of them. We'll find out. First of all, I want to look at the place, the place of this healing. Mark 7, verse 31, King James Version. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came to the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. After healing a Gentile mother daughter who was demon-possessed, I know you know about it, Kalea, because you said just the crumbs. He traveled to a coast area called Decapolis. Now that word means ten cities. Decapolis was a large region where all of these cities were together. And Mark does not explain the reason that Jesus came to Decapolis. I mean, in my mind, if he was trying to get rid of the people, get away from people, this is the last place he wanted to go. So we can speculate that Jesus went there because he said, my mission was to preach. And that he went to a place where there were a lot of people. There are several possibilities other than that. Why Jesus went to the Decapolis. Perhaps Jesus chose a place to refocus his ministry back to his purpose of kingdom building and not the power of healing. 
Maybe Jesus just wanted to rest some labor. All these people being brought to him, all these miracles. But regardless of the reason, Jesus' reputation was made known wherever he went. So here he is in this big, large area. And I want to talk about from the place to the day. The day. Y'all will get, get this in a minute. Y'all know who days are, don't you? Days are mother people. Verse 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put hands upon him. Mark don't tell us who the day were. But Mark does tell us what the day did. They brought a man to Jesus who couldn't hear at all. And this man had difficulty speaking. It's probable that this man's speech difficulties and impediment results of him not being able to hear. And Ann and I can relate to that, having a daughter that's, that's dealt, and we remember when she was a baby how she would respond, but after it was an ear infection that, that, that did something to her hearing, her speech was not clear because she had to repeat only what she heard. And if she hears things, though, she repeats things, though. But it's also possible that this man had a physical element known as tongue-tied. Some of you older folks know what I'm talking about because y'all came up here where someone having their tongue tied was kind of regular. Because of surgery and technology now, you don't have that. What that is for you younger people is that that little thing in the back of the base of your tongue would come all the way out to the tip and would be, uh, cause the tongue to be glued to the bottom of your mouth. And if you want to see what it is, try to talk without moving your tongue. You get an idea. But since this man can speak to some degree, it's possible that he lost his hearing at some point, as many scholars believe, because of some illness. So maybe the day or family members who had been this man mouth and ears for all these years, as he tried to communicate to them and they tried to communicate with him, they would let his wishes be known to other people. There's a possibility that this man's inability to communicate caused frustration. In his ability, and I don't want to make fun of anybody that can talk. I thought about doing that. I thought better of it. He will rant and rave in such a manner that it will cause embarrassment and make people around him uncomfortable. And because he couldn't communicate, he got frustrated. And he, all he would do was just cry out and yell. So maybe the day where some well-meaning citizen in the capitalist to keep from being embarrassed has such a concern for the community, they brought him to Jesus. Nevertheless, who the day were. Restoration of the man's hearing and speech will free everyone from the task of being caregiver. So the day concerns were serious. So they begged Jesus to lay hand on this man. 
having a faith that he just laid hands on him, he could be healed. And Jesus could have just laid hands on him and healed him. But Jesus went to the third thing. I'm going to call it the procedures. The procedures. We find these in verses 33 through 34. And he took him aside from the multitude. One. Put his finger into his ears. Two. Spit and touched his tongue. Three. Looking up to heaven. Four. Sighed and said, This is the only word that Mark interpreted. He talked interpreted right away. To be open. So the procedure consisted of like a skillful surgeon who used several procedures to bring about the restoration of healing. First thing Jesus did was remove him from the crowd. That could be several reasons. One, because he didn't want no naysayers, no doubters, or no one to get the credit, so he took this man along. The second procedure was in order to relate to the man, remember this situation there. So that the man can understand and get this because you won't get this in the text, but it makes sense. Jesus used sign language to tell the man exactly what he was going to do. Remember, this man came here. So the first thing he did was touch his ears. That was a sign, I'm going to heal your ears. And then he spat and touched his tongue. Now, I want you to try to think about something. Have you ever tried to spit with your tongue stuck to the bottom of your mouth? Try it. You can't do it. So in doing so, Jesus would tell them, I'm going to loose your tongue. And third, Jesus let the man know where the healing was coming from. He looked at heaven. And then fourthly, Jesus expressed an emotion. Now, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's fear. Fourth one, he expressed personal emotion. He sighed. Now, a sigh could be a concern that leads to an obsession. I'm going to deal with this. But a sigh could also mean I want to show you how you're going to feel after this is over. You're going to go, whew. The man clearly understood everything that Jesus was going to do. But this fifth thing, when he spoke Epaphrodite, it was a command. He spoke in a language where the man, if he was looking at Jesus, could read his lips. It means to be completely open. So Jesus was telling this man through sign language, I'm going to completely open your ears and loose your tongue. The restoration is in 35. And straight away, his ears were open, and the string on his tongue was loose. And get this now. And he spake plain. 
The man's healing and speech was restored immediately. The verb tense of this word spake, which is imperfect, which means that he spoke plainly at that very moment. The day people were elated. They were finally free of the responsibility of caregiving. And the joy they experienced was evident to Jesus. And Jesus knew what they were going to do. So he said this in verse 36. And he charged them that day. I won't read that again. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much more greater deal they publish it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He make it both the dumb or the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. I don't know how many of y'all caught that or not. Notice his charge was to them. Not the man. I'm going to read it again. He charged them that day. Jesus knew that they were going to tell others who were just going to come for the physical healing, but Jesus' purpose was to heal the complete man, body, soul, and spirit. So he told them, don't, don't go out and broadcast this. They went anyway. He charged them, not the man. This was not their testimony. This was not their story. It was a man's story. He had just experienced a miracle of restoration. In past, he had to ask others to speak for him, to listen for him, to convey his thoughts, his feelings, and his desire. But now he can speak for himself. Can I talk to you just a moment? Some of y'all need to get your own testimony. Instead of somebody else's testimony. Yeah, I know what God has done for some people, but what has he done for you? See, this man was restored, brother Jeff, so he could now speak for himself. Because speaking to other people, sign language, you might have some misinterpretation. But see, I know what he's done for me. I don't have to have nobody else to tell him. I'm going to speak for myself. Can you imagine being able to hear again and speak clearly? If the man was in the old church, Harry, his testimony would be something like this. Say I wasn't going to tell nobody. But I couldn't keep it. To myself. If, 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 if he was in the, the, the new church, Brother Patrick, he might be like Brett Jones and say, open up your mouth and say something. You see, there are too many untold testimonies in the church. I really can't understand why people won't open their mouth and speak for themselves. Oh, yeah, and I thank God for all you have told other people about my bouts with cancer. That's fine. But see, I can speak for myself. (laughs) 
You see, we all lost some things. But we're we, we ashamed to tell some people that we lost stuff. Now I was looking at it. See, some of y'all have lost families. Yeah, you know, the, the, the voice is, is real. Some of y'all have lost families, but God don't gave you another one. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all marriage have been destroyed, but God had given you a godly mate. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all have lost your home, but God have given you abundantly more what you got now. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all don't lost your health. Some of y'all spent some time in the hospital. Some of y'all were near death, but God don't restore you. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all was about to lose your mind, go crazy, and God restored your mind. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all done lost your sanity. You couldn't rationally think, and God done brought you back. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all done lost your reputation. You were down and out. Everybody talking about it, but God don't elevate you. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all done lost your freedom. You don't spend some time behind bars. But you're free now. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all done lost your peace. You didn't know where you're going on. And God has given you peace that pass all understanding. You need to speak for yourself. And like we said this morning, some of y'all done lost your joy. You come in the church looking like the sucking on living. But God done did something in you. You need to speak for yourself. Some of y'all have lost something. It hasn't been restored yet. Let me give you this promise from Joel 2.25. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I set among you. God may be taking some things for you that when you give it back, you can speak for yourself. One thing that was lost that we have no control over is our souls. But we do have control over the restoration of our soul. Here's how you start the process. Word of God tells us that favor was lost in the garden. And here's how we get it back. If you'll stand with me right now. Start with acknowledging who Jesus is. And asking him for forgiveness. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.